BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru, and you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, and I am divorced, not dead. I'm a former Bravo TV star and now former wife. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey. So buckle up. So welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And today I have an actual friend of mine on. Actually, not that any of the others weren't my friends. They were my friends, some of them. But Yelda joins me. We've been friends quite a long time. And she is an expert in gut health, weight loss, feeling great, emotional stress and things like this that she's been trying to teach me to get through. I think a lot of um, our eating habits today are linked to um, where we are in our emotional well-being. And I think, you know, we won't go too much into it, but I think Yalda suffered IBS. It was my ulcerative colitis is like IBS on speed. Okay, there you go. And I think it was triggered when you were in a past relationship and it sort of got worse. And well, I mean, I knew you then and you were in and out of hospital, really. And it was sort of, was really debilitating for you for months on end. Whereas now you bound around town. I don't see any of that. And it's so funny how how much this really is linked to your emotional well-being as well as just obviously, you know, food intolerances and your own body, but your emotional health and being in the right relationship for you. And that's what I think we've been saying throughout Divorce Not Dead. It's not just everyone should get divorced. It's your body. I think if you're in the wrong relationship, and correct me if I'm wrong, at any time of your life, your body can physically react to this. Absolutely. So Caroline, I'm so happy to be here. To all um, of you listening, Caroline and I met back in 2007. I was pregnant with my first son. I remember clearly the day we met, I was looking at you thinking, oh my God, she's so pretty. She looks like a doll. (laughs) I remember clearly. We met in Paris. So you're very right about this. So what I specialize in is gut health and chronic inflammation. My background's finance, but now I have reconverted and and I am in wellness. I help people with all sorts of issues. But my story started with healing my own issues. I developed um, a first autoimmune disease, ulcerative colitis, 
around the time when we met. And a few years later, I developed another one called autoimmune hemolytic anemia, which can be fatal. And I almost died twice. Doctors couldn't help me. I traveled the world. I saw the best nutritionists, the best naturopaths. I went to the US. I saw Dr. Hoffman. I went, I went to Viva Meyer in Austria. I went to Chivasom in Thailand. I've spent thousands on allergy tests. No one could figure it out. I was in and out of hospitals on corticosteroids, immunosuppressants. Then I was on biological drugs. And I realized that the root of the majority of diseases, non-communicable, which account for 78% of deaths worldwide is chronic inflammation. And when it comes to viruses, we've seen with COVID, the presence of underlying chronic inflammation really worsens the prognosis and the chances of complications from it. And although I'm a light and bubbly person, I'm also quite nerdy, as you know, Caroline. <laughs> and I dive deep into research trying to understand how to lower my chronic inflammation in layman's terms, though, you know, like I find it when, you know, inflammation, it makes you sluggish. It makes yeah. you tired. And actually, when you're in a bad relate and you're in bad relationships, a lot of it and all your emotions are kept in your stomach as well. So this does go hand in hand. If you're on edge in general, and I'm sure you see a lot of women that are divorced or in bad relationships and things like this, Yelda, that things flare up more so for them. Absolutely. So any source of stress, if you're not happy with your partner, but it doesn't mean that necessarily that partner is evil. For example, not expressing your emotions with that person or having a stressful job or having a horrible boss or falling out with a friend, having family issues, all of this will kick in your chronic inflammation. And even if all of this looks perfect around you, if you have the, the self-talk, if you have the inner critic talking badly to yourself, just criticizing yourself all day long, thinking, oh, I'm not fit enough, or I'm not, not slim enough, or I'm not good enough, that will increase your chronic inflammation. And that's why, Caroline, you know, when you started it and you were just looking at the food list, there was a point where I said to you, please sit on your balcony, do your morning and evening meditation, follow that because it instantly improves your gut health, increases your serotonin, which is the happy hormone, reduces your cortisol levels, which is the stress hormone, which then in turn makes you fat and inflamed. So, you know, stress is very much something that's how we perceive things. I'm a true believer that we need to sort things out in our lives, but also we need to sort things out in our heads. I think we need to be honest with everyone, which is like, you know, no matter what, and I can meditate to the cows come home and I really am much better. And I, as I said very clearly in a few years ago, if you told me to meditate, I'd have told you to fuck off. And that's the truth. But now I'm actually doing it and I'm quite enjoying it. Um, but it is funny to me and it is foreign to me. It's not something that came easily and it is something I have to force myself to do. But you're absolutely right. There's something really weird about having your morning coffee and shoving your feet in grass. I used to live with, a, with the next roommate of mine from Norway 
who I just remember so well, walked in one day and I was advertising for a, a roommate and she walked in, asked me questions instead of me asking her questions. And it was her freedom, her sort of self-assurance and her confidence just to do that. And then every morning she'd sort of walk into my room in a tiny little thong with no bra on and these giant boobs hanging over me, offering me coffee. And I just thought, God, she's so free because I'm English. We just don't do that stuff. And then she'd, she would go outside we'd go outside and she'd like hug a tree. We'd go for a walk and she's like, Caroline, hug that tree. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to hug a tree. If someone sees me right now, I'm going to get committed. She's like, hug the tree. You're going to feel so good. Hug the tree. So I hugged the tree. She was right. It's good for you. It's the energy of the earth. It's like swimming in the sea. It's good for you. Well, I wasn't ready for it back then. I thought she was completely (laughs) tonto. You know, now I actually do sometimes hug a tree, you know, and I've got quite a few friends that make me do it, especially when we're sort of, traveling. And I do think if you start your day and end your day like that, I mean, Sergio and I now put meditation music on to go to sleep because my day is so stressful. And the thing is, you know how I am. I have a terrible thing. And all the girls that work for me, unfortunately, will tell you where I get super, super, super stressed and I explode. I see total red and you just cannot calm me down. But once I've had my scream and my full on tantrum, and I mean like pounding on the floor and swearing, and I probably fire everyone six times, but then it's out and I'm like the nicest person again. It's like, it's cleared my energy completely. I mean, they're all traumatized. Don't get me wrong. Everyone else is like, okay, they don't, they've picked up their laptops and they don't know if they're still welcome in my house. But afterwards I'm like, it actually, I'm like, oh, I feel great now. You can avoid this with breath work. Because what you're doing is you're accumulating cortisol. I'm going to make you do these little breathing things. Just three times a day takes two minutes. Breathe in for five seconds, looking at the dial on your watch. In five seconds, out five seconds for two minutes, like normal breaths. As I'm about to explode, when does that happen? No, you need to do this throughout the day. Because what's happening is you're not breathing properly. You're accumulating carbon dioxide in your system. By the way, cancer cells feed on carbon dioxide and glucose. So CO2 and glucose, basically not not breathing and eating sugar are the two main things that feed cancer cells. So forget about the tantrums, Caroline, just breathe. I know. (laughs) Every day, two minutes a day, three times, three times, two minutes, you just breathe in and out. In five seconds, out five seconds, it lowers your cortisol levels instantly. Out five seconds. I mean, it does feel good. It does feel good. I've got to be honest. It does feel nice. It does calm you. But um, unfortunately, everyday life is just beyond hectic. And I think that that's, you know, some of these things in theory sound amazing, but in practice, you're like, oh yeah, uh, not happening. But as I said, so... You said to me um, that it has to be part of your lifestyle and actually you have to want it enough. And I think maybe having a young, hot boyfriend and having to actually get undressed again in sexy underwear or whatever it is we do has um, pushed me that I'd prefer not to do it when I look like I'm pregnant with twins. Or you might get the other side effect, which is even worse, gas. And then you've gassed your boyfriend too. And I can't spend all night running out the bedroom. So it's just what it is. You have to solve the problem, people. And um, you can laugh, Yalda, but I know that everybody has this problem. Every girl farts. You know, it's eliminating all those foods, eliminating. I'm going to do the best. Some, some foods like cauliflower. 
I mean, cauliflower, you'll find me in the sky. Like I've understood that that is one of the worst things and I love it. So basically you just started the eat, burn, sleep lifestyle. And by the way, I have noticed you've lost weight on your stories. Your jawline is more defined. You're looking younger. I've noticed you've, you've made an effort. So well done. I think it might um, be love as well, though. He does help. You know, I'm very prickly. I don't know how anyone loves me. I'm very, very prickly, as you know. So um, Sergio is doing an excellent job of making me a lot nicer. <laughs> which I think it shows on your skin as well as, you know, because when you do that, like he does all the diets with me. Well, they're not diets, are they? So, you know, what we've done is we eat clean. We say it's eating clean and I cut out the sugar. And the thing I think that we love is like, you know, Yalda, we do a plan with, with alcohol in it. Because yes. as I've said, you know, you yeah, can you tell me fun. it's bad for you not to. I'm trying to figure out what alcohol I can possibly have that's better for me with less acid than wine because wine kills me. So listen to me. I've tried to explain this. You need to listen. <laughs> Tequila. The reason why there is so much you can't digest right now is because your gut, because of all the things we've discussed before, has been unsettled. You know, even though you have created this amazing life for yourself, you have... You're a businesswoman, you've rebuilt, you've moved houses, you've dealt with your divorce amazingly, you have a new relationship, but nonetheless, it is still stress you had to deal with. And stress, because 60% of your neurotransmitters are in your gut, will impact your gut flora. You started the eat, burn, sleep lifestyle, you're getting results. The longer you'll get on it, the more you will be able to retolerate the things you're not tolerating now. Wine will come back cauliflower properly cooked if you want it welcome back when i was really sick there is a point i could only digest chicken soup it was awful i couldn't digest anything i could only digest the broth from the chicken soup and the meat because it was slow cooked for so long and slow cooked things are easier to digest and support the spleen in chinese medicine but all these things it, it's not set in stone you will get it back i promise you I think that's the, the, the key as well, just to say, you know, I think when we deal with things and especially if we want to put it into my relationship, you know, um, divorce and things like that, when you decide to get divorced and it happens, once you've set the wheels in motion and actually don't really have time to think anymore. So you've spent a couple of years thinking about it because women do that. We don't make impulse decisions. I think everyone knows that. You weigh up the pros, the cons. You go, you know, could we live a different way? All this kind of stuff. So I think you've done all, a lot of that, you know, where you couldn't sleep, couldn't, you know, you're stressed. It's a different kind of stress because once you've then made the decision and you've ripped off the Band-Aid and you've gone through all that, the children know and every, everything's in motion now. Now, now it's moving and it's moving at an incredible speed. So now you're moving house, you're, you know, you're changing your paperwork, your, your kids know, you're figuring out schedules. So there's a huge different kind of stress now that, you know. Correct. That's adrenaline. Yes. So what happens is when you are in the relationship and you're stressed, that's cortisol. You're building up. But once you go into action, it's adrenaline. And that happened to me during my divorce. I was like on a bit on high during the whole process. And I think that's a survival thing. You produce adrenaline to take you through moving houses. I've been through all of that like you. And what I found is at the end of it, I was absolutely exhausted. I was shattered. And that's adrenal exhaustion. I think I'm there. I think last night I was like, 
I am on my last knees. When, you know, you you have adrenaline and all that kind of stuff, I've still got to be girly and lovely because I've still got a boyfriend that I'm trying to settle into my chaotic life and not and not push him out and go, you know what? Because I think our way is like girls. I mean, I don't know about you. I think you were the same. Like when you're in the midst of it and you're that busy, you don't have any room for anything, you know, anything. You you, you always say it's so hard for you to date because you were settling your children. You were, you know, you have two boys. You're very hands-on. You're much more hands-on than I am, actually. I mean, London is quite hard to date anyway. And you were just, you were building your business. So these kind of things. And if I drop the perfect man into your house right now, I don't know if you'd know what to do with him there every day. So, you know, I've divorced quite a few years ago, but you're absolutely right in the sense that I, you know, I used to be in finance, as you know, my background's finance. I worked on a trading floor. And then when I was married, I had health issues and I stopped working. I did charity work. I, I was a teaching assistant in a school in Brixton. I really enjoyed that. But then when I got divorced, I really did not want to become the wife of someone again. Because I was married to someone who had a bigger career than me, bigger everything than me. And I was, I noticed after a few years of marriage, and that is not his fault at all. It's just how society is. When I would go to dinner parties, people just assumed that I was a wife. They never asked me questions about the fact that, you know, I have two master's degrees. I speak five languages. <laughs> no, no, they just saw me as the pretty wife. I was so reluctant to become that again. I thought it's not his fault. That's how it is. He's a successful man. You come next to him. People deem you good looking and attractive. They assume that's all you are. They don't know what your depth is. What... So when I got divorced, my priority was to rebuild my identity. I think that's a big one, by the way, the priority it's to rebuild your identity. Much more than dating. So I, I didn't care so much and I really didn't want, so I had quite a few people who were similar to him in terms of profile and I didn't want to do the same thing again. I thought I want to be my own person. So at the beginning I started venturing into finance and eventually a friend convinced me to do eat, burn, sleep and share with people my journey to healing which I was quite reluctant to do because I didn't want to be a public person, but I started doing as a charity project for a year and then it became a business and here we are. And without really a proper plan to rebuild the job, I have created the job of my dreams because health is my passion. And when you have a passion, as we've always said, and I think that's, you know, so many women leave relationships like that and don't know where to go. But you, you know, when you can turn your passion into your job, like I have, Yelda has, then, you know, it really doesn't feel like work. I mean, I know I'm moaning and I am, you know, it, it is stressful. It's really, really stressful. Running any business is stressful and any, you know, however hard, especially in these days for people to part them with their money, you have to be better than everyone else. You really do. And that's what I keep saying. The world's not, the world doesn't owe you anything. The world's not going to hand you anything and you're up against 20 year olds. And that's the truth. So you need to get up and put your big girl boots on and decide what it is you're going to do. And you have to fight hard. Nothing is going to be handed to you in this world. And I think, you know, Yalda was pushed into a position uh, through her chronic illness and through that led to her, you know, learning a lot that maybe you wouldn't have done if you'd been fine. And maybe you'd have like come out of your marriage and fallen flat over your face. You never know. And just been a mum, and which is fine too. But I yeah, mean, I think you turn any negative into a positive if you decide to. 
we own our lives. We, we have the control over it. Whatever we want to do in life, if we set goals and priorities and we stick to our values, you get to where you want to get. I did find that working was extremely healing because it, you don't really, I found that I didn't control relationships, but to work, I have my, it can't just disappear overnight <laughs> like a relationship can. So for me, it was because I had invested so much into my relationship by giving up my job and all of that. You never did that. You always had your job. You always had your business. You had your show. My life was my kids and my marriage. And when that fell down, I thought, no, I actually want to build something that I can do for the rest of my life, no matter what happens in my private life. I mean, it's funny with my private life because I honestly thought I wanted to be single, like honestly thought I wanted to date, like just have fun, travel with my girlfriends, have a blast. And, you know, like I always say, you don't buy the first pair of shoes you try on, do you girls? You have to try some on and go out and have a, have a laugh. And then I ended up in like a serious relationship. I think what a lot of us do is we set not goals, but set like timelines for each other for ourselves and say, I'm, you know what? I'm not ready. I don't want this now. And then I have girlfriends of mine who've said that, pushed away guys, and then they've gone, oh, I'm ready now and I can't meet anyone. So I think you just have to be open, open to everything, which when you're open, it goes through your whole life. If you're open to things, things happen. And I'm not just talking about love. I'm talking about, you know, um, stress and, and jobs and, you know, new identities. As you said, like Yelda set out in life in finance, she's now doing gut health. I mean, you know, probably while you were sitting on that trading floor, if someone told you you were going to be doing gut health in 10 years, you'd have laughed in their faces because you were enjoying the bonuses and the fun and the, the male camaraderie and the things that you did then. Did you ever see yourself being like, you know, this sort of yoga doing? Certainly not on social media and publicly. It was Exactly. Now, what type of guy would you have had back then? What type of guy are you looking for now? totally different, I'm sure, because the, you've grown, you've changed, the growth in you has softened you probably from that woman that you were back then, um, softened you from the being the powerhouse you thought you were going to be or wanted to be into, you know, a kind, soft mother who listens to people and to, you know, healing people. And so you, it's a completely different man now. I watched a TED talk by someone called Brene Brown, and she talks about the power of vulnerability. And when you become vulnerable, you become happy. I always struggled sharing my struggles because I didn't want to be vulnerable. It's one of the reasons. You knew about my issues, but a lot of my friends didn't know the details of exactly what I was going through. I was always minimizing everything. So for me to go on Instagram and be public about it was, was hard, and it's brought me so much joy. Being vulnerable openly about what I, what I have been through and, and saying to people, listen, this is what's happened to me, but this is how I got better. And now, you know, when I get people who become pregnant and they send me, they send me pictures of their baby or of the scans, a few times I cried. And I, I cried on a live on Instagram, which I, I was the person who would never cry 10 years ago. Like, even when I almost died, I didn't, like, I didn't shed the tear. And now I'm, I cry on Instagram lives and it's never brought me 
so much joy because I connect with people. Because when you, you accept to show your vulnerability and you say, you know, I'm not perfect. This moves me. This is tough. This is, it just makes you happier. So that's what I've learned through this. I agree. I think that, you know, I mean, look, Instagram as a whole has, it opens up people and you do connect with people and you can share your stories. And I think, you know, that part of it is really, really positive. As long as you don't connect with it in a way where those people become more important than the, the actual people in your physical life. I try and show both sides. Like if you look at my stories, you'll see the good, the bad and the ugly. But, you know, obviously a picture is a picture. You know, so if I've had a terrible, stressful day, you're not going to see me sitting at my desk. You know, I'll literally go like eh. And suddenly, you know, nice smile pops up and you look great again. And that says, and that's what Instagram is. So it's a snapshot. So I think people connect because they want to know your struggle to get there. That, you know, that I didn't just wake up in the morning. Hand, people handed me keys to this, you know, um, to my house and that everything, you know, wasn't that easy for me, you know? And that's what I think with, with Divorce Not Dead, we're trying to explain the transitions in people, the things, you know, it's very interesting what you were saying, because I did IVF. Now you are curing people or helping people get pregnant with food, which is an amazing thing, which I can't quite believe, you know, is, is, is possible, but. It's the whole thing. So it's anti-inflammatory foods and exercise, mental wellness, because inflammation causes miscarriages. So I've had a lot of ladies who got pregnant, even on IVF, IVF actually really messes up your liver, which is then responsible for hormonal balance. So you, when you do IVF, although it helps you, it also does the opposite of helping you. It unbalances your hormones. A lot of people got successful on IVF with the lifestyle when they weren't before. So it supports people on IVF as well. Just wellness in such a way that you it's got to be a lifestyle rather than these fatty things that we do. Like, obviously, if you have to lose weight, you know, losing weight isn't that hard to do because weight is 98% of what you put in your mouth. I've, you know, you have all watched me go in and out of every gym possible, but that's not going to affect me. You know, that's not a long-term solution to the way you look and feel and, you know, the quality of your hair, your skin tone, Yes, you say that, but it's very hard for people, especially in the United States, to understand what it is they should eat. So I had a lot of people to start this lifestyle, and it was an eye-opener. They realized that a lot of foods they are eating, which are labeled low-calorie and you know low-fat and low-carb or low-this and low-that, actually very high in thickeners, in emulsifiers, in things that really upset the gut and have been linked in studies to obesity. There was a study um, conducted on mice. They had two groups of mice. One of them was fed a diet without all these emulsifiers, additives, and all of that, which account for zero calories. The other group was fed the same diet, but in the water they were drinking, they added all these things, all these additives, which account for zero calories. The group of mice having the additives was constantly gaining weight. And the problem with food and processed food, and in particular in the United States of America, because the FDA allows so many things, people are getting obese. It's not even, they're not even gorging on food. It's just that they are eating the wrong things. Obesity is linked to gut health. A hundred years ago, it was almost impossible to 
to become really fat unless you were so rich that you were sitting down and eating all day long. Nowadays, you have people who have jobs and they are busy and they still get to levels of obesity, which are dangerous and morbid. 1.9 billion people in the world are obese and it's because of the lower quality of food that surround us. Because the trouble is, you know, when we all have hectic lifestyles, I'm guilty of it with my children, you know, like I will never eat fast food, but my kids love it sometimes, you know, like once a week they want to take out and they want these, you know, they want fast food and they are children. And I'm like, okay, I really try and feed them all organic. I'm really good like that, you know, but I don't cook out Yalda. So a lot of times, you know, for mothers that are working and doing all this, it's, it's, it's very time consuming to come home with fresh produce, cook for your children, organic, lovely meals every day. You know, how do you, how do you get through that? And a lot, you know, a lot of our children, my, my kids will eat broccoli till the cows come home, uh, roast chicken. Perfect. Um, tonight they're having meatballs and, you know, rice and things like that. I'm trying to do it as much as I can, but you know, at some point, some of it, you know, they do want like, you know, cocoa pops and they do want chocolates, this and that. And, you know, your diet is great and they love the mousse, but at the same time, they want, you know, the food that you, with the cream sauce and the this and the that. So how do you get around that? I think that's actually really healthy to have naughty food, especially for kids. I'll tell you why. It's all a question of how much. My children, I don't stop them from having anything because I don't want to create hangups in their heads. I think it's quite dangerous to deprive a child and say, you can't eat this, you can't eat that. And working in wellness and talking about food all the time, I'm very aware of that. So my children, for example, they love five guys. I allow them one five guys a week because I don't want to create this thing in their heads where they're going to think that at home they're not allowed to have anything. So I, I, I kind of mix and match it. And I don't want them to feel deprived, but I, I, I say to them, I say, boys, listen, let's have that once a week. But if you have more, this is what it does to your body. Let's just balance it out. Let's just have some nice chicken and broccoli tonight. And what I do is I cook in batches and I freeze because most of the recipes that I share are very simple and you can make batches. The food lasts five days in the fridge or three months in the freezer. You can prepare in advance. So in, on a Sunday, you can make a big you know, like a stew or a tagine or bolognese or whatever and freeze in smaller bags for future use. And I do that quite a bit. Amazing. Well, I mean, I think what we're coming away with in general that, you know, gut health is not just relating to gut health. It really is an all over lifestyle and it relates to relationships. It relates to your skin you know, tone, it relates to the, the, your vibrance, to you being able to perform, to you feeling good. I, I believe that all of those then th things attract the right person in your life. Because if you're not, if you're not feeling great about yourself or you're not vibrant or you're not this, you, you attract the wrong type of guy, the guy that comes when you're low and down, you don't want long-term, trust me. And, you know, the guy that comes when you're at your best and you're, you're shining and, you know, you do get that glow behind your eyes and that's, you know, it, it's about you and nobody else. Right. I think it, that's, that's what this or is what we're trying to get across, that it's so much more than losing weight and so much more than just saying, you know, like I can't fit into my jeans because if you want to fit into your jeans, there's plenty of things go on, you know, do, do a protein shake and go, you know, go to the gym. But again, 
it's not a long-term solution to a long-term problem, really. I think that's really key. So thank you, Yalda, for joining me today. I do have, I just wanted to go through like five, like five questions that the people sent in. So I thought I'd just add these, these um, to the end. I haven't done this before, but why not? What do you recommend for bloating? Well, I mean, that's the biggest one for me. So for bloating, it's basically the lifestyle that I share. Within the platform, there's a whole section for IBS and bloating. The number one thing people tell me is that their bloating goes down. The problem with bloating is much more than looking pregnant. Bloating is generally a sign of leaky gut syndrome. When our bacteria becomes unbalanced, we tend to lose the layer the mucus layer, which protects the gastrointestinal tract. And then what happens is little particles of food go into our system. Our body sees it as a foreign pathogen, and there is an inflammatory response, which is an immune response. You don't want that inflammation to go on for a long time. Otherwise, you start developing other issues, ranging from anxiety to hormonal issues to cancer, heart attacks, Alzheimer's. So if you're bloated, generally, your skin won't be so great you'll feel tired, you know, you'll have a, a bit of a brain fog, you won't have high energy levels. So you want to fix that and feel better. And you want to basically follow a low inflammation lifestyle. The root of it is to improve your gut health and bloating will consequently get better. Well, actually, this was an interesting one because I, I was queen of these. I used to take a lot of probiotics to help with my gut, which you made me stop. What? Yes. Why? <laughs> so people are asking, what, what are your thoughts on probiotics? Well, in a nutshell, up to 100 years ago, we didn't have refrigeration. That meant that a lot of food around us was in preserves, there were sauerkraut, there were things like that, and we ate a lot more germs and bacteria than we do now. Now we have fridges, everything is pasteurized, we have antibacterial spray everywhere. Since COVID, everyone's using antibacterial on their hands. It's killing all the bacteria on our skin. We have less bacteria in our gut, and it is reducing the diversity of our microbiome, which is our gut bacteria, but also holobiome, which is the bacteria on our skin and all around us. If we think that one little pill is gonna make a difference, we're very mistaken. Most of the time, the bacteria in the probiotics is deactivated. Even if it's active, it's not necessarily the strength that you are missing. The best way to improve your gut bacteria is actually to eat the right foods because on each food, there is a different type of bacteria of prebiotics, which are going to feed the probiotics in your gut. So a gut health oriented diets will have a much bigger impact than a pill you might take because you don't even know if the pill is the right kind of pill or if there is enough in it or if it is active. Agreed. I went on the lifestyle and gave up the pills. So until my, my gut was clean and that's, as I said, when I cheated, I felt a big difference. So I knew what was working and what wasn't really. Oh, Caroline, you seem very confident. Think, do you think your body confidence comes from how to eat and diet too? Yes. So that's exactly what I feel like, which we've just been talking about, you know, 
I have said this a million times. I and you know, Yalda, you and I talk about this because you know you went through a dip in your confidence. And what did we do? We went we went away to America and we went shopping and we bought clothes. And I know not everyone can do that, but we did a whole change of style for Yalda. She was very business like, and I sexed her up a bit. And you know, so where do I get my confidence from? And let me tell you, I told you a, a bit about my childhood and I definitely I had headgear definitely wasn't the pretty one and I still have to find those pictures I'm not really sure I want to put them up but I will you know I really work hard you've seen me without a spray tan it's not a pretty sight so you know that's you that's your thoughts I like it but whatever yeah so like I am very hard I'm my own worst critic so when all of you and you know very sweetly and say I look like Barbie or you know all of this it's a little bit of a, something I've created for myself. And, you know, I do change up my look all the time and I do like play with my clothes and do all that. And that does give me the confidence. So body confidence does come from, you know, your own weight. Okay. So don't look at anybody else. I've been the same weight most of my life. I, you know, I think you have too, Yelda. I mean, give or two, a couple of pounds or so up and down. That's the only way I ever you know, I don't, I don't crash diet. I think the only time I've really put on weight is when I froze my eggs. And when you freeze your eggs, you can put on a good 10 pounds. And it's really, really hard to get off really hard. But other than that, I've never really changed my clothes. And you know that from your clothes. So I do feel that how you eat gives you confidence because you feel good. You feel good. Again, I don't diet. I can't diet. If I diet, I try juicing and all this kind of stuff. It gives me headaches. I can't produce. I can't do my days. I can't look after my children. I'm moody as hell. Sergio won't let me diet because he says when he, I'm on one, he's on one. You know, as in like he has to go through. He knows to like literally get out of my way. So yes, I do. I do feel that like this kind of stuff is key to confidence because when you feel good about yourself and you, you know it shines it boils down to self-care so recently i got rid of 80 percent of my clothes because i just wanted a renewal and i think especially for women as you get older you need to put that time into investing into you know i remember my mom taking care of the house but not taking care of herself so it is so important to do self-care so whether it comes to clothes or the way you eat or the way you think or spending time with your friends. It's not because your life is busier with children and with a job and with so many more responsibilities that you should neglect yourself. I think self-confidence comes from, yes, eating the right food because 60% of the neurotransmitters are in the gut. So if you have a good gut, you'll have a really positive mood. And it's also giving to yourself. So a shopping trip with a friend like Caroline, who's hilarious, uh, tra traveling if you can, just giving yourself a facial, whatever it is, whatever you can afford, but something that's for you. Just for you. As I always yeah. say, selfish is the new black. And on that, we really are going. So thank you, Yaldo. I've had a really fun time today and uh, I hope you have and uh, hopefully we'll do more. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Caroline, for having me. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind the scene action.